welcome to That Geek Pod. I'm Catherine and today I've got Matthew Thurban with me. Hello, Turbo. Hey, Catherine. Thank you for asking me on again to um, talk about our Mad Max <laughs> review or your, your rewatch or my rewatch and your first watch. Yes. <laughs> You're one of the ones who persuaded me to to watch it and, and it sort of seems like everyone's following me down the rabbit hole of Mad Max. Yeah, I actually just noticed that um, Justin Hamilton is doing his rewatch also and uh, on his podcast and they just released their uh, Beyond Thunderdome episode today, which I haven't listened to, so um, cool. we've got some competition there. <laughs> well, that one would probably be far more intellectual and, and you know, in-depth analysis of the text and yeah, not, not here. <laughs> This is this is just the vibe. Yeah, vibe. It's everything. <laughs> yeah. <Marble. laughs> so it's it's sort of funny that each Mad Max film has had a different vibe and been very different. Like they've not done the same thing twice. I mean, that yes, they've had big chases at the end, but. Really, it's not been the same thing twice. No, it's like it's like he's it's like George Miller's not happy with the initial movie and he tries to slight, slightly remake the previous one, just slightly. But there's only, yeah, I, I find that, it's, and it's only a couple of years apart, like two or three years apart each movie, which yeah. is interesting. I think this was nine, 1985 for Beyond Thunderdome. I think the original was seventy nine. Possibly, yeah, the original seventy nine. Um, I should have this in front of me. Was I think it was 82, 72, 89 and 85, I think maybe. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, thinking back to you know my my years in front of, you know, like video hits and um we don't <laughs> need another hero being on there. Um yeah, 85. Tina Turner. Yep, Tina Turner. And the guy with the saxophone and What's his, remember that yeah. guy with the saxophone, yeah, and the long hair and uh, the spray on tan? Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought that, like, I always thought that that saxophone guy was in the movie, but he, he wasn't. Like, it no. was just the film clip. Yeah. But he looked like one of the guys from Mad Max. Like, he just looked like the same actor or something. Yeah. I'll have to see if he did a cameo, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Angry Anderson is in this film. As <laughs> what's his character's name? He even has one. Um, Iron yeah, I can't Bar. remember these. Iron Bar, okay, yeah, yeah. So, for those that don't know Angry Anderson, he's uh famously a singer from a band Rose in Tattoo. the 80s called Rose Tattoo, yeah. So, he's very short guy, tattooed, bald, kind of angry. Um, yeah, he opened. Oh, he was the main act was at the nineteen eighty nine grand final at um where That's he, right. <laughs> at, on the back of the um Batmobile. Yes, yes. Was that the song Suddenly or something? Well No, what was the no, song? No, he's he didn't sing that. Suddenly though, was yeah, the the music for Scott and Charlene's wedding on neighbours. And look, a huge part of me 
loves that song without irony. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like I'll, I'll have to find a YouTube of that 1989 grand final because it's a classic. Yeah, we'll post it after the Twitter Twitter thread. Yeah, it is. This post. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, yes, it's very 1985, this movie. The hair was big. Big hair, yep. Yep. Um, Tina Turner. Is this – it's got to be about her only movie acting role. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd say it's a – Probably at least her only major ones. She's probably done done a few cameos. Yeah, I'm sort of um, looking through IMDb now and, um, yeah, it's looking like, yeah, like to, some cameos and things. But this is, yes, a, a breakout leading role. Um, where she, her character's name's Auntie and... I find it interesting that um, you know, she's auntie entity, but always referred to as auntie. And of course, in indigenous culture here, you call elders like auntie or uncle. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. they're definitely taking those sort of cues from being set in Australia. And except, I think I read oops, in the trivia that except like 15 years or something after Mad Max 2. Yeah, it sounds about right. It's hard to keep track of those sort of timelines because I think even the following film, Fury Road, which I won't spoil for you, um, sort of deviates from that as well. So it's, it's, it's usually up for debate and it's very inconsistent, the timelines. But, yeah, Max starts off with the long hair yeah. at, at the beginning. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they he gets gets captured and they 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 cut it off, essentially. Yep. yep. Um, and he wasn't Samson; it wasn't the source of his power. Um, no. But yeah, he he's driving in the desert with camels and a plane flown by Bruce Spence. So, <laughs> but not the same character as. He was playing in the second movie. Mind you, he's again a pilot, so. Yeah, it's very confusing. Like the first one was a sort of a helicopter pilot and this yeah. one's a plane, so. Yeah. And I think in this one he has slightly blonder hair. He's like he's got peroxided hair or it's slightly. Yeah. And, and I think he's got better teeth. I think in the in the Mad Max 2, I think he had kind of, yeah, rotting teeth. <laughs> yeah. But things have definitely broken down even more like there really is no semblance of a society or even these gangs left it's just a desert now that max is left to roaming um he's got a monkey now not a dog and i'm pretty sure that monkey lived throughout the whole movie i'm pretty sure pretty sure and I, I saw, I, I watched a documentary after, and, and that monkey's name was was Sally Ann, apparently, and 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 it wasn't a trained monkey. They actually trained him during the filming, but they just couldn't get the monkey to do what it wanted, what they wanted. So they sort of let it do random things, and they filmed it, filmed her, it. 
But I'm pretty sure the monkey survived. Yeah. At least that's our headcanon. We don't want any other animals dying, I think. No, no, because, (laughs) yeah, we've had two dogs now. Yes, two dogs. Um, Yes. But so what I found what I found interesting with this one is that it it was the first film not directed by only George Miller. He had it was a co-directing with a, another director called George Ogilvy, yeah. which I've never heard of. Um, but he apparently he did a few sort of eighties movies. Um, I think he directed Russell Crowe's first movie, The Crossing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's interesting having a co-director here. So. From what I've gathered, he did most of the scenes, which we'll talk about it with the the lost children. I guess that's yeah. my understanding. Yeah, and and I sort of read that you know George Miller did yeah you know, the big action set pieces, but um, that his collaborator um, is it Kennedy? Um, yeah, Byron Kennedy. Byron yeah. Kennedy. He passed in a helicopter crash or something in the lead up to the filming. So so George Miller lost a bit of, you know, inspiration or wanting to go forward. That's why he brought on a a co-director to sort of help him get um, through it. And I think, yeah, the the movie was a tribute to Byron Kennedy. Yeah. I guess for those that grew up in the 80s in in Australia, there was all these Byron Kennedy productions, um, a lot of TV movies and, and miniseries and things like that as well as movies so yeah you growing up you'd always see a byron kennedy production and i think this was technically the last one i believe yeah i think he got credited somehow with this must have done a lot of um pre-production or something yeah yes i think yeah it's still under for producer now i'm just looking through yeah imdb now and i'm going Bodyline miniseries, yep, remember that. Yep. <laughs> the dismissal, yep, remember yep. that. Um, yeah, quite a few other ones. So, yeah, so Bodyline is a miniseries about cricket with, yep. oh, Gary Sweet's in that. <laughs> Hugo Weaving being the the evil British person <laughs> instituting the bodyline bowling against Don Bradman. How dare yeah. he? Yeah. I'd love to do a rewatch of that soon. Um, I don't know where you'd find that. <laughs> I've got the DVD, I'm sure, or the VHS somewhere. I've got, I've got all these things. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Auntie's running this this little city, like Barter Town, in the middle of nowhere where um, obviously people come to barter things and there's an underworld that runs some power and it's <laughs> run by Pig Poo. <laughs> yep. Uh, apparently there was 400 pigs used for the filming of this. Mm. So you can imagine the, the stench. There's a lot of scenes of just shoveling shit in this, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so I <love> it's, that. <laughs> yeah, it's a new approach to fuel, but I guess if that works. Well, you've yeah. got to think the methane gas 
would do something. True, but then you think about the cycle of things, like you have to feed feed the pigs. What do you feed them? You've got to feed them with something that yeah. some sort of hay or grass and where do you grow that in the desert? So it's like you'd have to have some sort of Okay, let's not think there. too deep. Let's not think too deep. I yep. think about energy, that, energy that's, flow. That's <laughs> always the downfall when you think about these things too deeply. Um <laughs> Yeah. You'll be deep in deep in pig shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Auntie runs this barter town and and it gets powered by um yeah pig poo that was developed by um there's Master Blaster. Yep. Um it's he who's the um combination of the the big guy and the little guy is that it yeah 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 so there's the master and there's the blaster and so she recognizes the control that um they have over the town in that you know because they control the power they you know almost you know control her so she wants him removed and Man Max rolls into town after having his stuff hijacked. He wants it back. So deal is set up, right, you do this thing, you get rid of him and we'll set you right. And so it all comes to a head where they where Man Max has to confront the blaster in Thunderdome. Now, I've known about Thunderdome. I can't not have lived in Australia through the 80s without being aware of the visual of Thunderdome, which is, yeah, that metal big, well, dome and people hanging onto the edge and and watching a big fight. And you think that iconography comes up again in ACDC's video for Thunderstruck. Yep, that does. Yep. Um, I even think back to the schoolyard. I don't know if your schoolyard, I mean, I'm talking real old school playgrounds where, you know, there were sharp edges. Um, yeah, that was ours too. Big, like big like metal monkey bars and sometimes you'd get the dome type ones. Yep. Yeah, they weren't at our school, but they they were actually at our high school, I believe. Yeah, yeah, rust everywhere. Yeah, you know, if you cut yourself, you need a tetanus shot, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. our primary <laughs> very school much Mad Max <laughs> had this big thing like wall of tires that you climbed. Yeah, like that's just a place for spiders to live. Snakes, yeah. <clears throat> and then so, what did you do when you got up to the chop? You jumped off, or you slid down the metal pole. Did um did your school um have an incinerator? Oh yeah. So like I just remember the early days of primary school, just everything would just get burnt. Like they would burn rubbish, burn plastic, burn, and like the the playground just smelt like. Toxic fumes. Yeah. And, 
and the house I grew up with, you know, we had an incinerator at the back. I remember Dad firing it up every now and again. <laughs> incinerator. It sounds like it's not something that should be in Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. The, the girls' toilets at my primary school had a place where you, you'd burn things, believe it or not. Ah, I didn't know that one. Yep. <laughs> Never ventured in there. <laughs> Good boy. Um, yeah, we, we would just burn things. Yeah. What? what? We're just pyromaniacs. Like it's unbelievable now. And and this is the thing, like on a winter's day, you can smell if someone's having a fire now. Like you go, oh, who's having a fire? God, it just chokes the air full of smoke and <laughs> we just burn stuff. God. <laughs> yep. Yep. Those are the old days. Like with the old tips, like we used to have tips close by that you would just dump stuff and it would just get burnt. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Australia. Burn <laughs> stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. Mm. It yeah, is lots of... <laughs> such a simplistic sort of statement two men enter one man man leaves obviously it's a taking excuse from the old school like gladiators type of thing but with the its own little twist of the two men being on big sort of I don't want to say elastic bands but big things that they can bounce all around I hadn't been aware of that hmm and chainsaws and yeah yeah other spiky things. <laughs> so the other night I was I was watching an episode of Community, which I hadn't watched in, in ages, and I very excitedly texted the group because they had a a Mad Max to a Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome reference. Um, so it's last episode of season three of Community, um, where where Troy is going into this this thing to um, for the air conditioning repair school um, two men enter to like fiddle with the air conditioning of the other <laughs> you know fairy community but of course they have a guy there dressed as the Thunderdome announcer going two men enter one man please <laughs> doing the whole thing I'm like oh my god I find I get the reference finally now. get it. What other things have you missed? <laughs> oh, God, so many things. But it's sort of a simple idea but done with a, with a twist and a flair that yeah, I don't know if it really happened before, but you can definitely see, okay, people have taken cues from that ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And For sure. Yeah. I'm sure some of the 80s wrestling as well, the, with the cage matches and that sort of stuff, WrestleMania. Was that before or after? No, it would have been the same time, 85. Yeah. That yeah. sort of style fighting. Once they brought in, like, the cage fighting and then you think in the 90s um, ultimate 
fighting champion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I um, never got into UFC, but I, I know about it, yeah. I Look, I know about it because, you know, Monica's boyfriend, Pete, I'm friends, <laughs> got into it. Pete played by John Favreau. Ah, oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Another cameo, full circle. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Um, Again, this is where you start to see the George Miller touch of just crazy visuals and just distinctive. So all the way up, it's just such distinctive costumes. So Angry Anderson is a short man, so they have him with a big pole behind him and a a (laughs) fake head above his to sort of almost like how, how you see like, like Jar Jar Binks or, or other actors who are doing motion cabinet capture with a for a character taller than themselves to give the actors around them an eye level. <laughs> so, it, and feathers and and the dress that Tina Turner as Auntie is wearing is just it's iconic. Yeah, that silvery grey look. Her hair's also silvery grey. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's wearing the um. The chain metal dress, um, like weighed some ridiculous amount. So good on you, Tina Turner. <laughs> so yeah, Mad Max is fighting blaster and all sorts of weapons, and Max is doing fairly well. But um, yeah, he's. He's finding it difficult and spectators are getting killed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Collateral damage. Yeah, just a bit of that. And then he can't kill Blaster at the end because he hits off Blaster's mask and he realises, oh, no, this person um, has the mind of a child. I can't do it. It's not right. Um, so... The crowd are not happy, so they put him up to Auntie's wheel of um, of discipline. Auntie's yeah. wheel of punishment. I think it's um, Buster Deal face the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to read all the different options on the wheel, but I, I didn't catch it all. But um, I'm sure it's listed I, there. I think somewhere. I think the one he got was called the Gulags. Yeah. Gulags. Yeah. Yeah. So he was sent off into the desert on the back of a horse. Um, I have to say I was watching this. I, was, I didn't like, you know, that the horse ended up dying, but I was sort of thinking, what a waste of a horse. Yeah. Like, it, the horse is going to die. Come on. Horses are useful. I'm sure they could use the horse poo as well. Yes. <laughs> and, but valuable. And, you know, horses don't require gasoline because, yes, gasoline is still an absolute premium. There is there is none or very little. And through the desert, Mad Max finds this, well, they, they find him, these bunch of kids who've been living in an oasis, a um, bunch of feral kids. Sidebar, one of them, Justine Clark, who 
for Australian listeners, is very well known as a presenter on Play School. Now, you're a parent, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> How many Justine Clark CDs and songs have you listened to over your lifetime? I've actually seen Justine Clark in concert twice. My <laughs> oldest son is now 13. Um, that was kind of his thing when he was, you know, two, three or four, rather than the Wiggles, actually. And um, I, I, I liked seeing Justine Clark more than the Wiggles as well. So, um, yeah, so, so I, I was happy with his choice. But, um, yeah, she was also on Home and Away. She's a good musician, good singer, um, very talented. So what can you yeah. say? She must have been, I don't know, 10 or something in this movie or less. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Um... Yeah, did you also? I was going to say, did you also bizarre. catch? Did you also catch um, another home and a home and away star? I can't even say her name. Rebecca Emma Logaloo. Yeah, I saw her on the credits. <laughs> Rebecca Emma Logaloo. Um, did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. Who I think is now on, or at least was on Neighbours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing you may have missed is George from Play School. So there was a George and Play School around the similar era as Justine Clark. Oh. Um, and he is, what's his name? What's his playing? Um, I've written it down here. Yeah, I can't remember, but you'll notice him when you see him. He's kind of like a bald sort of Italian guy, Greek guy. Um, okay. Yeah, George, I forget his name, but another player. So I'm seeing all these things from my childhood. I mean, at the time when I first saw the movie, I didn't know who the hell he, who the hell he was, yeah. but. After you know being a parent and watching play school, um, oh, he was a Mad Max. Because yeah. <laughs> play school is actually a very prestigious gig. Yeah, it is. Act- very much so. And actors have talked about how hard play school can actually be to to do that and to talk like to camera like their kids are there and to do all the little bits of craft. Yeah. <laughs> Tough gig, yeah. Yeah. Were you a square window, a circle window? Arch uh, no window? preference. Like to mix it up. Because <laughs> oh. they brought in the newfangled diamond window, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. There, there was four windows, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was three in my day. No, it was four. Oh. I can't remember window dimensions back from my play school viewing, but um, I. <laughs> I've only watched it more recently in the last 10 years or so. Do they still have yeah. Rocket Clock? No. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> now, now that, that's got to get talked about if there's no more Rocket Clock. Um, who cancelled Rocket Clock? <laughs> um, yes. So from the, the bit of the story that we get and – so it's a society of children who've grown up or at least somewhat grown up and some generations of children that they were on a plane escaping a city and they crashed near there and the pilot went off to find help. Is that sort of what we think happened? Yeah, I think he yeah went to find help but disappeared so they're kind of waiting for him to return basically yeah and so they're 
they built the whole society sort of almost worship worshiping him mm. so they can take it take them away again in the plane somehow yeah and so they come across max they think he's the pilot um captain walker captain walker that's it and so they so there's a few of them who want to leave the oasis and he's going no don't don't leave this is this is good here um and others who want to stay and so the group who want to leave sort of leave overnight and so he goes to try to find them with a few others and they head back to um Barter Town because that's where the kids have ended up. I can't really remember. Now, I'm showing up. I haven't watched it in two weeks. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Robert Grubb, who's an, an actor, an Australian actor who was in Flying Doctors. And, oh, that's you know, right, Robert Grubb, yeah. Yeah, and in quite a few other things. Um, he's the pig killer who yep. ends up helping Max and the kids and Max ends up um, liberating um, Master from Barter Town. I can't really remember why they decided to do that. Did they just decide to do that to so that he could help them fly the plane? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the motivation. It just kind of <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. It was Did- awesome because their escape, Master already built it. It's on a train. Yeah, on a train. Just fantastic. Um, so he he had this train. He he was powering and and he, you know that was how they were getting away and. And Auntie got her minions around her in their cars and they were chasing through the dunes and going after this train. But, yes, it was um, quite intense, quite intense. And, yeah, the pilot, Bruce Spence, they eventually come across him again and so he helps them fly away. But, yeah, it was, again, of this George Miller distinctive style. I think every time I've talked about the costumes and just this idea of bits and pieces that you just cobble together and you go, that no one else before had the vision of the future like that. The vision of the future was always, you know, your silver jumpsuit, whereas George Miller was like, nah, it's, um, Leather jackets, feathers, um, hockey masks, shoulder pads, chaps. It's a very eighties yeah. vision. Yeah. But um it was the apocalypse, so I think they have to scrounge together what they have, so from bits and pieces. So you you're gonna make do with what's left in the world, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh did, well, did you notice um there was one kid in the the lost tribe, the lost children, he was kind of, he didn't say much, but he was painted white and he had yeah. painted black eyes. Yeah. So he, I think his name was Screwloose. Um, just remember that kid um, 
for when you watch Fury Road because a lot of a lot of what you see there is kind of expanded on in Fury Road, but not necessarily the story, but the look. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that was one connection I saw, but I, I won't spoil anything for Fury Road. Um. <laughs> yeah, because you know, obviously in Mad Max Two, we started to see the people being strapped to the front of cars and then driving. Yeah. Driving through, and yeah, I think we see a bit of that in um, in Thunderdome. Yeah, so that 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 final, yeah. again, not to, to touch on Fury Road, but that final chase scene with with the train, um, that probably went for like twenty or thirty minutes, didn't it? At the end, yeah. Um, if you could imagine, Fury Road is you know that up to eleven, like Spinal Tap, maybe yeah. like probably up to twelve. <laughs> call it up to twelve, yeah. But it, you just the way George Miller just builds on the previous movie, not necessarily he just takes the good bits or the bits mm-hmm. he wants to focus on for the next film and and amplifies that. Um, yeah, I just as I said, I, I I find it each one of these movies is almost standalone, um, yeah. different, slightly different looks, but the common thread together is just building on the momentum of the previous one, and um, yeah, so. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you think about Fury Road. <laughs> um, but so what I didn't expect to see was you know, when they when the the kids fly away, they they go to Sydney. Yep. But it's a Sydney after some kind of nuclear apocalypse but of course you can recognize half of the sydney harbour bridge and the um opera house because they are the landmarks always have to be kept at least partially standing yeah um yeah i i actually forgot about that one after i I don't recall that from the original one maybe yeah um but and i i'm quite surprised how much of sydney this was filmed in sydney so um the opening barter town scene I just read, which I didn't know was filmed in Homebush in an old brickyard. Oh. And now it's like right, right part of the Olympic village now. <laughs> so all that area there in the eighties was an old brick brickworks and all factories yeah. and things. Um, I think, I think the, um, the Oasis that with, with the lost children yeah. scene, I think it was the blue mountains in Blackheath, I think. Yeah. Um, so just up from um, west of Sydney. And that yeah, that final scene. As soon as I saw that again, I'm always reminded of um, there's a midnight oil midnight oil album cover called Red Sails in the Sunset. Yeah. So it's like an apocalyptic um, artwork of what of Sydney. So basically, all of Sydney Harbour is just there's no harbour. It's just yeah. annihilated. So yeah, I I kind of I, I I wonder which one came first. I think that. I think it might have been a few years after. I'll have to check that one. But um, yeah, interesting apocalyptic scene of Sydney, and yeah, that's that's my hometown. So I go oh, look Sydney. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the rest of it, all the desert scenes, were filmed at I think Coober Pedy, Um, I think. Yeah. Think right. Yeah. Because yeah, Silverton or Silverton was um for Mad Max Two. Yeah, that's right. Broken Hill. Yeah. 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 But um, this one was Cooper Pedy, which is South Australia. Yeah. 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 So. 
Cooper Pitty has has those similar houses to like in on Tatooine, you know, the under underground yeah. under under the earth little houses. The Lars Homestead. Yeah. Because it's it's well known for opal mining and a lot of people and businesses are just run out of old opal mines because it it's so hot that it's the yeah, it's the yeah. easiest way to to live. So it's quite a strange landscape. Um yeah, but what I've sort of was wondering with um, with this is that those kids who went with Max, they fly off to Sydney, but the kids who stayed behind in the Oasis, they stay behind there. So there's these, they're separated now, never to sort of come back together. So, yeah, and Max, Max had to sacrifice himself so he's sort of stuck there as well he didn't join them did he no 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 yeah so he, no the plane was too i think the I think the plane was called a jalopy yeah <laughs> uh the plane yeah the plane was too heavy so he uh yeah. he had to sacrifice and just jump off so hopefully yeah. he finds his v8 interceptor again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah he's sort of left there without any mode of transport and and Auntie sort of cuts her losses at a stage in, in the um in the chase and just turns around to her crew and as if she's won and like, well, we'll go back, you know, we've got what we've wanted, we're fine. And <laughs> Anne's going back to the yeah, rum barter town. Um so yeah, sort of interesting that there's no real happy ending or idea that, okay, now society will start again because, you know, okay, these these kids, yes, they've made it to Sydney, but there's nothing there. Like, is that a victory ending up in this desolate city? Um, you know, yeah, it's and, pretty bleak. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not the they, they kind of watch this week though. Yeah. They kind of pick on pick up on those themes in Fury Road, but it's not it's not it's very loosely related, so yeah. don't expect um yeah, don't expect something different from Fury Road, but the the themes are still still there about about what happens, how how they're gonna how society gonna keep going and progress. So because I'm still not sure where Fury Road sits in the um in the timeline if it or if it even does sit there. Yeah, um that's debatable as well. There's there's a couple of official answers, but perhaps we'll um when we get to Fury Road we'll 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 figure all the timelines out. Yeah. It'll all make sense. Because <laughs> Mad Max in, or Max in Mad Max 2, he visibly has injuries that he got during um, the first first Mad Max with his knee and things. And then in this movie, um, you can see it more in some scenes than others, that there's injury to his eye that he got during um, Road Warrior that um, George Miller had, had, um, Oh God, Mel Gibson! 
<laughs> Mel Gibson's name. Um, we haven't yeah. even used his name in this this episode, I don't think. No. Right. I maybe this is maybe this is all about him last time. I've got to admit. Yeah, maybe this is where he went off the rails. Oh no. Uh, oh no, no. I think he still had. Uh, he went on to Lethal Weapon and things like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been one of the last movies he went before sort of returning to America. Yeah, it would have it would have to be. Um, I there was I think a, a little scene in here where I went, oh okay, that's why everyone in the eighties thought Mel Gibson was hot. There was like <laughs> one little glimpse where I go, oh okay, but then that was it. But um, yeah. I don't. I th- I think he had more charisma in um, Road Warrior than what he did here. I mean, he's still got a lot of charisma, but I think more charisma in Road Warrior. And he said less, which is yeah, I yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I wouldn't even call it charisma. It's just yeah, he doesn't say a lot, so he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. he's a, a very neutral sort of character that hardly ever smiles as well. Yeah. It's oh, there's nothing to smile about, but um, yeah, it's interesting with Max, like, and again with Fury, what happens with Fury Road is yeah that there's not a lot of dialogue in, in these movies. It's just yeah, it's interesting. But that's good, you know. It sometimes you don't need a lot of dialogue. You just need the action, or you let the picture speak for itself. You don't need to explain the action all the time. And if you're driving, do you always just tell your whole life story? <laughs> no, I, I, I like things quiet when I'm driving. I like the kids not to say anything. I like to have music on and total focus. <laughs> I'm a podcast while driving. Yeah, so, yes. The other, you know, post-apocalyptic movie I watched this week was Snowpiercer. Yeah, so, I have seen I have seen that a few years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Chris Evans. Yeah, um, it's um, the Korean director. I've forgotten his name. Yeah, director Bong. Yeah. Um, Children. And there's a t- there's a Swinton. TV series. Yeah. As well. Yeah, so it's a movie I've been intending to watch for a long time and it popped up. Um, yes, not the cheeriest movie to be watching during these times, but um, sort of an interesting different take on post-apocalyptic seeing as I've been doing so much of these sort of Mad Max desert to then be on a train in a winter is is a bit different but yeah that one was a bit grim also when it yeah we need a, to it. In, i find with watching those movies you need something contrasting to to play off it um like anytime i watch a movie like that <clears throat> i need something like ted lasso to watch yeah and it just you know you need a complimentary show to watch just to bring you back to reality or yeah some that's, sort of happy place that's why i then follow it up with community so, <laughs> I yeah. must say I haven't got through that yet. So, yeah, yeah, first couple of seasons, great. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, 
But this week we got um, blessed with the new Marvel show, Loki. What did you yes. think of Loki? I I wouldn't say – see, I'm not a huge Marvel fan, but it just – I keep watching them and enjoying it more and more and everything seems to be tying together nicely. So I think this one – it's not something that I'd go back and rewatch ever, but I'm, I watch it on the day – and this one I was completely intrigued to begin with. Um, I love the I, – I got this sort of Terry Gilliam feeling from it, sort of 12 yeah. Monkeys Brazil sort of vibe from it. And I just don't know what's going on. There's time travel and it's just a branch off something that happened in Endgame with the Tesseract and I'm, I'm here for it. It's just um, so many possibilities with time travel. It's great. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's just so great, and you're right that um, the look and the feel is so Gilliam. Um, also, part of it, you know, because I um, also watched the TV show Legion. I don't know if you ever watched that one. No. Um, it's again inspired by um, a Marvel comic book. Um, yeah, who's this guy who's the son of Professor X, but so he's got telekinetic powers but he's also got multiple personalities or he's schizophrenic it's it's all a bit confusing so it's um yeah there's a lot going on there but <laughs> it's um so but it's a very stylistic sort of look but and that you can sort of see that look um little bits of that look in in this as well but of course that's very Terry Gilliam. He's he's had a huge influence on so many filmmakers like yeah. George Miller. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I'm a big Marvel fan. I've um I've bought my tickets to um the premiere of Black Widow. Mm. Seven o'clock on a Wednesday night. I didn't know you could buy tickets. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is that July? Yes. I think it's yeah. like the first Wednesday in July. Like it opens the Thursday, but you know how they do a, you know, night before. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. Yeah, so big Marvel fan. Tom Hiddleston is just, he loves the role of Loki. You can see it. He just knows Loki inside <laughs> and out. But they also have best fun with Loki. They have him being deathly serious, but then also we'll just make fun of him. So that scene where he gets hit, but it's like uh, a, they're one six speed. So Yeah, the, the face wobble. Yeah. Face wobble. I <laughs> just so prepared to go there. I love it. I like I like how he Yeah, the whole the whole first episode he doesn't know what the hell's going on. He's just completely oblivious as to why he's there or, you know, yeah. And I, and the, the audience is as well. Like why, what, what crime did he commit in the, you know, the, this space time continuum or, you know, wherever it is that he, with the, these time Lords or time cops or whatever, what, what are they called? Yeah, the time guardians. Time. Yeah. yeah. Or the guardians. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's very curious because he, legitimately asked, well, 
What about the Avengers? They, they were the ones who were messing with the timeline. I just picked up the Tesseract. Like, <laughs> oh, no, they're meant to do that. So, well. Yeah, completely did... oblivious. Yeah. So, and it's very interesting that where he is, magic doesn't work. So the Tesseract, all the Infinity Stones that we've seen throughout 20-plus Marvel movies, being the big MacGuffins, the big things, powerless, <laughs> have no meaning. They're just, just in a drawer somewhere. Yep. Draw. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so it's sort of interesting where it will go and completely different. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. I was wanting to watch it again. I just sort of ran out of time. Or have the guilt of, oh, Catherine, you should watch something you haven't watched before. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I might rewatch this one because a lot of anything to do with time travel you need to rewatch to understand. Like yeah. Endgame, I found, a, you know, I had to watch over and over again. Obviously, Back to the Future is rewatchable as, as anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, time travel movies are my, are my thing. So um, I, I might give this a rewatch as well. And and like I'm not a huge Marvel fan. I don't I don't get all the connections when I first see them. So I'll have to, you know, dig through different Easter eggs and try and understand what I've missed and then maybe watch it a second time. It might be um might be good for this series. Yeah. And I also love Owen Wilson in this and the scenes of just um Owen Wilson's character and Loki sitting in a room talking. Yeah, it's just great. So yeah, I, I had I worried he was going to be in Marvel, and I, I, I mean, it's just Owen. He's playing Owen Wilson because Owen Wilson is just Owen Wilson. But yeah, it kind of works. I don't know how it works, but yeah. Look, I've got a lot of faith in Marvel casting. I yeah. It, I guess name it, name one time where they've stuffed up. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you can't. That maybe Bruce, maybe Bruce Banner. <laughs> oh, and they corrected that. Yeah. Um, but even that, because technically at the time, the Ed Norton movie, there was no such thing as the MCU. That idea just was became an idea when they were making Iron Man, um, and it was only at after they finished filming um, Iron Man and um, and it was Incredible Hulk, I think that they that Marvel went, oh, we could do something, and they whacked the scene on at the end. But it wasn't ever envisioned as something, and that's why um, Incredible Hulk isn't like a Marvel Studios movie. It's, I think yeah, it's, still it's, it's universal. Oh, I thought it was uni- yeah. yeah Universal or Sony, one of those. Yeah, but that's I think it's why, Universal. Yeah, yeah, that's why the Hulk can't appear in a movie on his own. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, it's real bizarre like, character rights. I I actually preferred Ang Lee's Hulk with um with their Eric Banner. I thought it was weird and just weird and wonderful that that movie. Um, I haven't seen that one. Oh, no, you got to see it. 
just, for, just say it for Eric Banner. Yeah. Good old Poyder. Oh. <laughs> God, so Kath and Kim was on and I I flicked over and saw a bit of Kath and Kim and Kel's getting to, into a fight with Eric Banner. <laughs> And Kat's doing, no, he's going to kill him, no, no. (laughs) And you forget, you know, Eric Banner's this huge movie star, but no, no, he started on sketch comedy. Yeah, I listened to the Mark Maron podcast with Eric Banner. It was last month or two. And he normally does his research, but I don't think he quite realised how big of a stand-up or or comedic actor that Eric Banner was in Australia. So I I think his research only sort of went back to his breakout roles, but, you know, I don't think he'd seen The Castle or anything. So he was really surprised when he was a, found out he was a stand-up comedian. So I think he's going to dig deeper and (laughs) and find some treasure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was at a taping of um, Eric Banner's show. So, you know, he had oh, the the variety show, the nighttime late night show. No. no, like the sketch show. So I was in a live audience, and we were shown scenes on a screen, and we were laughing to that. Um, oh, Dave right. O'Neill was in it as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I think that lasted like one season. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll have to chase that one up. <laughs> probably. Oh, you could probably. Believe it, you know. Yeah. It's good to look back. Yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah, that he started as Poyter. Um, yeah, you, you just show Americans Poyter and they're just stunned that that's Eric Banner, <laughs> movie star. But you, you see that and you go, oh, yeah, you see why he was cast as – um. As Chopper. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because that's the thing about Uncle Chop Chop is that he, you know, he had a bit of a charisma. He liked to think he was a comedian. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. People certainly laughed when he made a joke. Okay, I just remembered that there was a news story where someone had, like when drunk, like accidentally, like stolen Chopper's car or done something, and you could almost see the cops on TV going, "Yeah, they've made a really bad choice." But just <laughs> hand yourselves in, mate. Before before Chopper finds you, hand yourself in. Yeah. So yeah, Loki. Owen Wilson. I have to admit, though, when I first watched the trailer, I didn't twig it was Owen Wilson. How could you not? <laughs> I think the grey hair threw me. Is it grey? Yeah, yeah it's I guess grey. it's a bit. It looks a bit older. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a bit shorter. I I think I was in that. Is that that? Is that Dermot Mulroney or Dylan Mahoney? You know that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. No, no, Owen Wilson. But as soon as he – there's certain phrases where you go, oh, my God, yeah, that's Owen Wilson. <laughs> I 
Yeah, so super enjoying Loki. And we also got a very good episode of Bad Batch. I've been not a super fan of Bad Batch, but this was definitely um, up there for me um, where we saw the return of Rex and the payoff of Wrecker's um, inhibited chip um, going off and Wrecker or good soldiers follow orders and, yeah, none of them can stop Wrecker. Nice. Yeah. But they all got their inhibitor chips out, so it'd be interesting to see what happens now. So I'm crossing my fingers for some crosshair. Yeah, it makes sense that they're going to bring back that storyline. Um, I'm kind of glad they they sort of resolved the inhibitor chip problem um, with Rekus. Yeah, pretty, pretty. They were sort of every three or four weeks, every last three episodes, they were sort of mentioning it. You know, it was quite yeah. obvious that something was going to happen. So yeah. the, this episode, it was good that they resolved that. And uh, it was a bit dicey a few, t- a few times. You didn't know what was going to happen, whether it was going to, there's going to be any collateral damage, but luckily there wasn't with um, Omega or anyone else. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, so far I'm still I'm still liking it enough to keep me going. Um, is this episode seven or eight? Seven, eight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you had told me, I'd I'd still be enjoying a full series about the Bad Batch when I was you know, last year watching series seven of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. I would have said, "No, you're dreaming." So. Uh, I'm, I think they've done well in keeping my short attention span <laughs> um, going. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it um, and looking forward to next week as well. Yeah. I am I have enjoyed it you know, a bit more last week. I've, I do like that it is progressing in, and it's not the same story week after week. I think the first couple of you know, maybe not the first episode, but the couple of episodes after that, I found a bit repetitive. Of, oh, Omega, you know, does something, gets into trouble, and they come and save her. But they're actually progressing in that. Okay, they're learning, they're setting rules, and Omega's following them, um, which has got to be a first for Disney animation. Um, yeah. So, and I, you know, I don't like Crosshair, but I like Crosshair's story in that episode where we cut back to him and Camino having to train the conscription um, stormtroopers. So that's a side of watching the Empire rise has got me interested. Yeah. And you think something's going to happen either way with Crosshair um, you know, he may redeem himself. They may do something with his inhibitor chip, or he may redeem himself at the end. Uh, you know, hopefully something comes of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe um, Omega will be the trigger for that. I don't know. Um, it, it's just amazing that <clears throat> if you take away Omega with this story, like, what would the story be? Like, it it would wouldn't be much. And it's just. It's same same for Mandalorian. Like when I saw the Mandalorian preview at Celebration, you think that looks pretty cool. It looks looks like Star Wars. It looks 
Yeah. Nice. Looks fun. I'll watch it. But then you find out there's Grogu there to sort of anchor the emotional story. And I think they've kind of done a good job. It's probably a bit cliched. Some people might say that adding Omega there is, you know, pretty much like Grogu, but it, it just anchors it and gives it a bit of an emotional attachment, really. Yeah. I mean, they had a reason to be on the run from the Empire, but Omega gives them a reason to really stay hidden. Um, yeah. So, you know, part of the reason why they didn't join up with you know, Rafa um, and Trace was they had to keep Omega safe and mm. they wanted to keep Omega safe. But, you know, she's also part of the reason why the Empire or whoever keeps coming after them. So it's, it is interesting. But you're right, I'm more interested than what I thought I would be um, after those Bad Batch stories from last year. Um, yeah, because it wasn't the greatest of arcs. I liked Echo. Poor old Echo. It'd be interesting to have a rewatch of that. To, you know, maybe at the end of this Bad Batch season, just to go back and watch season yeah. seven to see if it if it makes any more sense or if there's any little tidbits that came up there that made more sense. Yeah. Or how they refine characters or cut out certain character traits. Because I don't think Hunter, you know, in that original arc, they had Hunter at one stage like smelling the dirt and being able to tell all these bizarre things about the planet. He's not doing that. He's not he's not as um mm. yeah. Because he's focused on being a dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they're our big things. We've got yep. um, Black Widow coming up in a couple of weeks. Woohoo! First MCU release in <laughs> ages. Yeah. First, is that, I'm trying to think, is that the first new movie at the cinema? No. No, because I saw Wonder Woman 1984 at the cinemas. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I saw it. I saw it at home through various means, but I'm glad I didn't go to the cinema. But <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Look, I was very happy to go along with to my you know Star Wars real releases, and I have to. There hasn't been that much at the cinemas that has tempted me to get back there because whatever you say about Quiet Place, I'm not watching it. That's too scary. That's too scary. I'm not watching that. Yeah, that's my type of movie, but I haven't seen the second one yet. So yeah. You can yeah. keep it. That's too <laughs> scary. Um, although there, there is a, a movie where I saw the trailer and emailed mum and said, we're going to see this. So, yeah, there's, there's a mum and me movie coming out about a man who, um, starring Jim Broadbent, so about a man who steals a painting. So. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. And they're filming Downton Abbey 2, so. Two as in, oh, was there a movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Six seasons and a movie. I think I saw the first three or four seasons. I don't know why I stopped. It wasn't too bad. Oh, Matthew Crawley. Matthew Crawley died. 
I considered stopping then. Some people did. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, it's devastating. Devastating. <laughs> Devast no. I'm sorry. <laughs> like we get honestly, a, we get attached to fi fictional characters, we do. <laughs> weeping. I was weeping tears. Weeping. Oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe I should revisit then. <laughs> it, it was a show where mum and I would call each other after watching it or, or text each other go, have you finished yet? Yep, yep. And then we call each other so we could be all about it. <laughs> <sighs> I, I threatened to have um, to record mum after we saw the movie. But to get her on the podcast, but um, no. Oh, that'd be great. Do it. Do it. Oh, I don't know if Betty would do, would do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Betty on the podcast, don't know. That Betty pod. <laughs> you got the title? Don't. Just just get it, make it work. Um. So, yes, I think that's it. Um, I've had my first Pfizer shot, so woohoo! Let nice. Catherine go to celebration. You're halfway there. Yeah, I had my first shot uh, last Monday, so next one's due on the 28th, so I'll be there too. Yeah. Um, so we're doing what we can. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed we can book flights or something. Yeah, I'll um, start talking to my travel agent again. Those fully refundable, <laughs> very flexible. Anyway, let's not get sad. <laughs> no, there's always hope. Yep. Rebel rebellions are built on hope. That's right. How could I have gone an hour and five minutes or whatever it is and not mention? <laughs> I was waiting for this. Because <laughs> oh. I know in my brain I'm like, right, you've got to do a voicemail to Canto Bite Dispatch, Blue Harvest. Um, so we've been seeing and or set picks and like so many like location shots. I've, I've been really surprised because I sort of thought oh, it would be one location and, and a volume, but they're going all over the place. Yeah, real sets, practical effects maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 watched, I saw the first few set photos and then I'm just holding back going I don't want to see anymore. Yeah, I, I'm not looking for them. They sort of come across my timeline and and people I've sort of made it known yet, don't DM me with stuff. If if there's sort of stuff that's really out there, yeah, I'll see it. But otherwise I don't really want to. But also there's been some casting rumors about Forrest Whitaker coming back as Thor Guerrera. That one looks pretty good and would and makes sense, 
But also, drum roll please, we have potential Mendo. It was always going to happen, surely. How could it not? How could it not? In my brain, in my brain, the whole huge multi-season show that Andor is going to be always had multiple multiple storylines, of course, following Cassian, but also seeing the rebellion. So you get some Bail Organa, some Mon Mothma, but you also see some Empire from Krennic's point of view and some Galen Urso crossing my fingers. Um, so seeing all of these multiple storylines that we then see all collide together in Rogue One. Yes. That I, I, I share a, bl- a brain with Bobby I. The, the thing that I've always envisioned for Andor or, or any sort of TV series or that before Rogue One is is Krennic and Galen Erso having a space whiskey together in a bar yeah. on Coruscant or wherever that flashback was on Rogue One. Yeah. Whatever happened in Catalyst as well. So so certain scenes in Catalyst, the book. Um, yeah. It's got to happen. Space whiskey, surely. Yes. Yes. And it makes complete sense that if Andor is a spy show and it does imply that um, because there's also news that the actor who played Melchi is back. Um so he's was that the guy that got shot in the opening scene? No. No. Um, that's Kevick or Tevick. That's, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mel- Melchi was the guy who who came in to and got Ginoso out of the um, prison um, oh, yep, yep. thing. But he yep. was also one of the leading like commandos who like commanded all the others on the beaches of Scarif. Yep. Um, so bringing him back also makes sense because you think they all know each other. They're all spies, assassins, saboteurs. Yeah. They've all done things. And what about um, Merrick, the fighter pilot with the yes. mow, that guy? Yeah. Merrick? Yeah. I think it's Merrick. Yeah. Well, they've they've brought out a black series of him in that latest wave. Yes. Yes, I've bought two, <laughs> two Andors. I held back. I did have my card up to three, and then I went four, and then I went, no, I'll buy two, and then I'll get the others when they're cheaper. So I, one, to, one to open and one to keep box. Yeah. Did you like how I just acknowledged that, yes, I know I'm going to buy more. <laughs> I know. Um. But yeah, it's good news. I'm happy for you as well. Oh yes, yeah, there's an Andor there. That always looks like <laughs> Hoth Han when I first yeah. have a glance at that. Same colours. Um, yeah, his blue Parker Cassian Andor. So the latest one is in his brown jacket. So I'm getting more and more excited about Andor even though I have no idea when it's going to be released. Um, but I'm still It doesn't matter. It's happening. They can't stop now. No. No. It's got to come out. It's going to come out. 
<laughs> Whatever happens, we're one day closer to it. And one thing I want is I, I want Gareth Edwards back to direct at least one episode. Yeah. Please. It's got to happen. Oh, Give the I, man a break. Like, he's done well. He's he's done well. He's kept his mouth shut as mm. well. So we we really don't know what truly happened behind the scenes. The biggest stumbling block with that is that Tony Gilroy is the main like showrunner and producer. The guy who took over, um, who took over, uh, yeah, Rogue One in the end. Yeah, I don't think there'd be any bad blood, mm-hmm. surely. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, if there was, he yeah. would have been sacked. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of look at it and go, well, they didn't sack him like they did with Lord and Miller and Colin Trevorrow. So, okay, something's different there. Also, you look at this Rogue One and it's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. And, and what I can sort of, what you can glean is that it's almost like he filmed too much. There was too much story and it had to get trimmed back. So the reshoots were sort of helping with, okay, trimming back the story and compressing bits. So that's not a major flaw of, you know, Gareth Edwards as a filmmaker. And, yeah, bring him back. Bring him back. (laughs) But, yeah, more, more Diego. I try to resist talking about Cassie in every episode. I try. You nearly didn't. <laughs> you I made it an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny if kids at school ask me, oh, who's your favourite character in Star Wars, miss? And I say Cassie and Andor, and they just stare at me blankly. You've got no idea, kid. <laughs> got no idea. Anyway, so where can the good people of the internet find you? Uh, sometimes they can find me on Twitter, although I try to avoid, avoid it a lot these days with all the stuff going on, but um, Turbo1975 at Twitter. I don't have a podcast, but I enjoy uh, going on my friend's podcast, so thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming on, and um, thanks for talking me into all of this. It's been <laughs> It's been great. Um, so you can find that Geek Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All that Geek Pod. Um, you can find me at Catherine underscore Neen on Twitter. Um, dramas on Twitter. What are you talking about? <laughs> no dramas. I've I've got a pretty curated timeline. I have to admit. So mine's out of control. So I just. Don't look at it at all. Too hard. Although, you know, some mornings you wake up in the morning, you know, after eight hours or whatever of of just America talking, you go, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so I should be watching Mad Max Fury Road in the next week or so. Um, So... Very much looking forward to that. And that's really one of the big drivers, if you pardon the pun, of me um, 
doing this whole big rewatch because I knew this was considered such a big masterpiece. I wanted to do it, so <laughs> you made it. It is. It. It, it, I'd say, having watched them all recently, I I, I think Fury Road is what probably my favourite now. Yeah. Um, even though I've only probably seen it three or four times, it, it's got everything. Like I said before, it just builds up to this masterpiece i reckon and hopefully we get another one before uh, george miller's too old i think he's hit 80 maybe i don't know yeah um i haven't done a ranking but i think yeah um road warriors probably my favorite the original because i love the the 70s-ness of it and then beyond thunderdome um yeah, that's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Excluding Fury Road. I've got to look now at how old George Miller is because <laughs> otherwise it's going to annoy me. Born 45, 1945, so he's, yeah, like 76. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Still got okay. many years left in him. Yes. Many, many roads to travel. And many bridges to fly cars over. <laughs> yes. That geek pod will return. 